Hello and welcome back to Silver Age Silver Screen, the podcast where we watch, discuss, and review superhero, sci-fi, cult, and other stereotypically geeky films. I'm your co-host, Casey Jarms. And I'm your other co-host, Riley Thorpe. Yeah, and today we are reviewing Black Widow, that classic 1987 thriller film directed by Bob Raffleson, starring Deborah Winger and Teresa Russell, about a woman who murders wealthy men for money. I will say, right out the gate, compared to when it came out, the picture quality and the sound quality are, like, really ahead of their time. It looks like a movie that would have come out today. Also, I don't really remember much about the killing the husband part. I mostly remember thinking this is a movie that should have come out like five years ago and it has Scarlett Johansson. I thought it was Scarlett Johansson. I don't know. Maybe I watched a different film than you, Casey, but that's what I remember. Wait, what? Wait, wait, wait. What, what film did you watch? I watched Black Widow. Yeah, so did I. Hmm... We are in a conundrum. Oh, maybe this will help you. This is the first MCU film to come out in two years because of the- Oh my God, there's a new MCU film. Hold on. Sorry, cutting off recording. Gotta go run to theater and watch that. Be safe. Okay, I'm back. It's like three hours later. Wow, Black Widow. Oh God. I mean, it wasn't like spectacular, but- You know, it's just nice to see a movie in the theater. Mm -hmm. Now that I am vaccinated and wore a mask and social distance, there's still a pandemic, people. Protect yourself before you wreck yourself. But you understand my initial confusion. Like, we tend on this show to do films in order, like we did Batman Returns before Batman Forever. We did Sorcerer's Stone before Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. Why would we do a film that takes place later in the timeline and has important things happen to a character before we would go and do the stuff that makes those things relevant? Like, who would do that? I don't know, but we did it with WandaVision, so... Yeah, but I'm serious. Like, it is kind of ridiculous that we are doing a film where these major events happen to Black Widow... And then after that, going to go back and give her her backstory with Iron Man 2. Like, could you imagine if a studio killed off a character and then like two years later is like, okay, we should give her her backstory now. Thank you, Ike Perlmutter. You're the best. Hashtag sarcasm. Hashtag fuck that guy. Ike Perlmutter, former Marvel executive who... Honestly, there were probably some other people in charge that contributed to it, but delayed this film and Black Widow and Captain Marvel for years. And we're watching it now because it just came out in theaters. But that's the really weird thing about this movie. Natasha Romanov is dead. Right. Spoilers for Endgame. She got thrown off a cliff on Vormir in Endgame. She's fucking dead. So, A, tension in this movie is a bit odd. And B, eh? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, overall, I did have a good time with this movie. I'm glad that we finally got it. But my biggest problem with it, just skipping ahead to that, my biggest problem is the fact that this movie should have come out when the film takes place chronologically, between Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. That's when it should have come out. And I think it really would have worked in that instance. But no, we're getting it fucking four years later because sexist, racist executive producers of 
all of Marvel pushed it back because apparently, according to this random guy that lost his job because Kevin Feige went to Bob Iger, this guy said female superhero movies don't sell well. Then Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. Yeah, it's been out for like a week at this point. Not even that. And what's that? Oh, more than $160 million. Big, big success. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, he made them change the villain in Iron Man 3 because no one wants a movie with a female villain. It's not like Thor Ragnarok made any impact Yeah, Thor Ragnarok, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, this film, spoilers. Yeah, none of those were successful. No. And it is worth noting that as of recording this video, this is the day that the last episode of Loki came out. So, realistically, this was recorded about two weeks ago, but it's... Coming out now, so you better have had enough time to watch it. You can watch it in theaters, or you can do what I did and pay 30 fucking dollars to watch it on Disney+. What the f- You- You didn't, did you? I did. I did. Why? Because I wanted to take notes, and I didn't want to go outside. Because fuck people. But 30 dollars?! To Disney? You know how much this cost me? Five bucks to watch in a theater. It was a daytime screening because I work nights. Have some self-respect, man. Well, hey, think about it this way. I saw it with my entire family. And my sister and I are going to watch it again this weekend. So at the end of the day, the price per ticket equals that $30. Mm. Yeah, that's essentially my logic. Fair enough, but it's still... Maybe if you're watching with, like, a big party of people, sure. But, like, for the love of God, do not spend $30 to watch a film by yourself. I paid $25 to watch Captain Marvel by myself. That movie is not worth $25. I still think it's good, but that movie's not worth $25. And I did get a commemorative collective token for the movie, so... Oh, yeah, You know, that's fun. I'll add that to my collection. Goddamn opening night Chicago theater prices. Why can't they be like the barely still in business Oskaloosa, Iowa theater prices? Right, exactly. I mean, come on, Chicago. Get your shit together. It's not like you're the third most densely populated city in America. So let's just get into... Well, actually, first we should establish what's going on with this character... Natasha Romanoff, she's one of the Avengers, called Black Widow, helped fight off an alien and destroy all the Nazis in the U.S. government. And then in Civil War, she went up against Iron Man and helped Captain America escape from the law. So now she's on the run. And this film is immediately after that. Mm-hmm. And there were originally, originally there were rumors that there was going to be a deleted scene included from Civil War included in this movie featuring Robert Downey Jr. So he didn't come back to perform in this, but they were going to use a deleted scene. But that was cut from the movie because why not? And I'm glad it was. Yeah. I feel like. Downey and Evans' last appearances should be Endgame, which was deliberately written to be like a big send-off to them. Right. And help, I'm pretty sure this is going to, maybe they'll have her come back because they're going into multiverse stuff now. I feel like this is built to be a send-off to Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. Right, yeah. And Endgame got a little flack for not having a funeral scene for Black Widow, whereas they had a funeral scene for Iron Man. The reason why was because Black Widow is getting her solo movie in a couple years, so... I do think, of the three big Avengers who died in that film, 
Black Widow definitely got the short end of the stick. Yeah. Like, this is a good ending for the character. It's not how she ends. It's not her suiciding off a cliff so Hawkeye can live. Mm -hmm. But it is her taking down her past and getting in some of her coolest action scenes and fixing some of her mistakes. It's a good ending for the character. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even though it's really weird that it doesn't end with the ending to the character, it ends up setting up the ending to the character, which we already saw happen. It's kind of weird. Yeah, so the plot of this movie is essentially what was referenced throughout the MCU as, you know, her and Hawkeye talking about Budapest. And what happened there, it's basically her tying up loose ends in Budapest. We find out what happened in Budapest. We find out what happened to her in the Red Room. We especially find out what happened with Dracov's daughter, which I have some thoughts on. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, we learn where Black Widow got that sweet-ass vest in Infinity War. Yeah, that's this movie. It's the origin of her costume in a previous film. Yeah. I hope that's what all Marvel movies are now. Like, ooh, I want to see a prequel to Guardians of the Galaxy about where Star-Lord got that red coat. Yeah. And the whole thing ends up just being about Quill and Yondu when they're younger and ends up being really heartwarming. And, and at the end, he's like, here, have this Ravager coat. Actually, I would watch that. Yeah, I think so, too. So... This film opens up in 1995 with young Natasha Romanoff having a happy childhood in Ohio with her sister Yelena. And then her dad, who is played by David Harbour of Stranger Things fame. And I have so many praises to give to him in this film. Yeah. He comes home and is like, hey, family, turns out our cover is blown. We have to flee the country now. So they flee Ohio and S.H.I.E.L.D. agents show up to arrest them. And fucking David Harbour just picks up a big-ass crate and chucks it at them because he has super strength somehow. Mm -hmm. And they escape on a plane that the mother is flying while she's shot. And, like, he jumps on and holds on to the wing as the plane's taking off. And it's cool. Yeah. And also, not very subtle with the, oh, no, we're leaving our happy childhood in America as... Bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Plays on the radio, and they pass a baseball field and a big-ass American flag. Yay for subtlety. Yeah, of course. The dad, Alexi, and the mom, Melina, are played by David Harbour and Rachel Weisz, respectively. Not to dampen the credit of David Harbour. From what I can tell, he seems like a really good guy, and I'm a big fan of a lot of his work. That said, I do think... It is very interesting, the fact that a couple years ago, he starred as Hellboy in the Hellboy reboot, right? And the problem with that movie is that was horrible, and it failed miserably. The Rotten Tomato score is in the teens. Like, I know that. Oh, God, it's that bad? Like, yeah. I knew it was bad, but ooh. Yeah, yeah, it's that bad. And he... From what I understand, he was asked in an interview why he thinks the movie failed. And he said that the reason why is because there's not a giant Marvel logo in front of it. Because anyone, everyone will go to see anything Marvel produces, but they're not willing to take a chance on something new and quote-unquote original. Yes, the original film. Yeah. That is a reboot. Pretty soon after that, Marvel went to him and said, we want you in a Black Widow movie. And he said, fuck yeah, give me that paycheck. 
But he does a really good job. So does Rachel Weiss. So the opening scene is this fake family fleeing America. David Harbour is hanging on to the wing as they take off because physics. And I know he has super strength, but still. Yeah, yeah. And side note, cutting in. There's a few things about this film's, like, portrayal of the past and backstory that are a bit hazy and confusing. Mm -hmm. They never actually explain how he's a super soldier. No. And, like, part of me wants to be bothered by that, because every other super soldier has been explained who made them and how. Yeah. But at this point, there's, like, a dozen different super soldiers. Everyone has recreated Erskine's formula. I feel like it's not that hard to make, considering how many people are able to do it. Right, exactly. And David Harbour plays the Red Guardian from the comics. Red Guardian is essentially the Soviet Union's response to Captain America. That's essentially what he is. He's a super soldier with a shield who fights for the Soviet Union. And in the comics, he was married to Black Widow, which is... Very interesting, <laughs> considering... Yeah, he's his adopted daughter in this. Well, I guess Black Widow's mother is also named Black Widow, so... Yeah, and in the comics, Black Widow and Daredevil were dating. So, you know, that's a thing. In the comics, everyone's dated everyone. Right, I'm pretty sure Spider-Man dated Black Widow at one point. I feel like if one Marvel superhero got chlamydia, every single Marvel superhero would be down. I mean, if we're going by realistic terms, i.e. the boys, that would most definitely happen. Gotta watch that show. Yeah, it's really good. But uh, yeah, so the family escapes to Cuba, where they're met by a bunch of Soviet Union representatives, even though the Soviet Union fell in, in the early 90s after this. Yes, that's what I was going to say. This opening scene, it's 1995. Uh, the Soviet Union fell and the KGB stopped existing in 1991. Right. Who the fuck is the Red Room in this? Like, who do they work for? Who is funding this? Like... After this, Red Guardian goes to jail for criticizing the Soviet Union? That- they didn't exist! Well, the reasons why he was imprisoned are a bit muddy, from what I understand, because there's a lot of theories. Like you said, it doesn't explain how he got his powers, and it doesn't really explain why he was sent to prison. However, I did hear a theory. There's a lot of rumors going around that he is a mutant in reality. And the super soldier serum, quote unquote, that he received just enhanced his mutation. But then again, that's pretty reaching, I will admit. It doesn't really go in too much as to why he is in prison and, you know, his whole backstory. Maybe I said that the party should be more of a party. Maybe I said General Drakov was ugly. Yeah. In Cuba, the mother Melina, who in the comics is the supervillain Iron Maiden, she is sent to intensive care where, where she's presumed dead. And the little girls, Yelena and Natasha, are taken back to Russia, where in a very, I would say, really heartbreaking title sequence, they are ripped from their homes, tortured for over a decade into becoming Black Widows, killer assassins that travel around the world, control the world's governments, and assassinate anyone in their boss's way. And I'd just like to say, god damn, was that 
almost hard to watch. Yeah, and really the heartbreaking thing is there are a lot of undertones in this film with General Drakov and his relationship with the widows. Like, we see at one point him, like, picking out a bunch of young girls who are in a shipping crate and, like, terrified. And him just showing hundreds of pictures of the girls he's taken over the years to be assassins. But... The undertones, there's child sexual abuse undertones in this film, and it's heartbreaking. Glad he gets blown up at the end. Yeah, it is really interesting because Black Widow is the superhero for young girls, you know, like in the same way that Spider-Man... Well, I thought she was the superhero for horny people. Yeah, well, in the MCU, that's what I meant to say. Yes, so... You know what I mean. You know what I mean. I like Black Widow as a character. They use her as fan service a lot, and... Yeah, absolutely. But, like, in the same way that Spider-Man was my superhero as a kid, they've positioned Black Widow as that for young girls, and it's very interesting that this movie is not for little kids. Oh, God, no. There is, like you said, so many undertones. There's a pig that's being tortured in this movie. Oh, yeah, that's a fucked up scene. In general, there's a lot of violence and stuff. It was originally supposed to be R-rated, I believe I've heard. Well, there were rumors, there were a lot of rumors that it was originally going to be. But when Kevin Feige was confronted by that, he said no, and it never was going to be. Wow. Although, personally, hot take, I wouldn't mind if it went R-rated. No, not at all. And more graphic, more in-depth of the horrors. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But on the other hand, there were a ton of little kids at that theater I went to. Which is kind of the double-edged sword of watching a film in theaters, because there were, like, two little kids behind me who would not shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like, every time there was text on screen, they would loudly read it, like, Cuba! Yes, yes, I can read. You can read. We all know you can read. Now shut up. (laughs) Yeah, I had the exact same experience with Wonder Woman. For a second, I thought you were going to say I had the same exact experience in my own home. My dang family members, my dang little sister is incapable of not shouting Cuba. (laughs) Another thing that I found really interesting is that this is a very dialogue-heavy movie. There's a lot of scenes where people are standing or sitting around a table talking about their relationships and what's going on and dealing with that. It's a very dialogue-heavy movie. So in terms of action, there are action scenes in it, and I have my thoughts on that. But this is a very dialogue-heavy movie, which, again, is interesting because this is not a movie for kids. No, No one told their parents. Well, there were parents taking their kids to see Deadpool 2 in my theater. Deadpool 2, not the first one. Well, yes, the first one, but even the second one. Like, people know who Deadpool is at this point. They know what he's about. They still brought their kids. So this is a very dialogue-heavy movie. Um, There's a lot of violence, a lot of implied violence. So point is, if you're going to watch it, just be careful around the little ones, you know? So anyway, cutting 21 years into the future, which would be five years ago for us, and in the MCU, like, eight years ago? Boys, cuts to 2016. Black Widow is on the run from Secretary Ross, who is personally hunting her down. Like, we see multiple times throughout this movie him in other countries trying to hunt this woman. Like, dude, 
You're one of the highest ranking people in the U.S. government. You have more important things to do. What is he? He's the Secretary of State, right? Yes, yes. He's like the second most important person in the executive branch. Yeah. So he sends a group of armed soldiers into this warehouse where they assume Black Widow is hiding. But then it's revealed that she's on her way to Norway to live in a trailer and just kind of hide out. From there, she meets up with a guy. I don't remember his name. I'm looking it up right now. I don't think they ever say it. His name's Rick Mason. He's a minor character from the comics. He's the guy that whenever she needs something, he can get it for her. He helps her escape, and she's hiding out, watching movies. James Bond, I'd like to note. Yeah. She watches spy films. Of course, because subtlety. But the generator runs out of power, so she goes to town, and on the way, she's attacked by a new assassin known in the comics as Taskmaster. Now, back up a little bit. Her sister, Yelena, played by Florence Pugh, who, in my opinion, is the standout of this movie. Florence Pugh is amazing. This film, it is sold by the acting and the people bouncing off each other, and Florence Pugh is great. Yeah, she gives a great performance in the action scenes, physically and also through the dialogue and the emotion that she brings. And I would like to note, Russian accents are notoriously very difficult to perform. And now acting in general is very hard, but Russian in particular, because just the, the way the dialect goes, it's like, it's very challenging. And everyone in this movie, to varying degrees, well, most of the actors succeed in it, and I'll have more to say about that later. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson, she's lived in the U.S. for like 10 years. She doesn't do an accent because she pretends to be a naturally born American. But Scarlett Johansson does not do a Russian accent in this movie, which is a bit weird when there's scenes of her with her family and they all have very thick accents and she just sounds like she's from Ohio. Yeah. By the way, what you were saying is, we actually skipped over it, there is a scene where Yelena, who is now grown up and a Black Widow assassin, is hunting down another Black Widow who stole something and she kills her, but right as the other Black Widow dies, she sprays Yelena with this red mist that breaks through Yelena's brainwashing and allows her to think like a person again. So Yelena takes all the remaining vows and ships it to her sister in Norway. And because her sister has them, Taskmaster, badass Red Room assassin, is sent after Natasha. And let's talk about Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. I personally really like Taskmaster as a villain in the comics and in all the media represented up to this point. I really like Taskmaster. I love his powers. Basically, his powers are he has photographic muscle memory where he can watch someone fight for just a couple seconds. And because of that, he knows everything, all of their fighting abilities, everything that they do, and he can kick their ass and exploit the weaknesses that he sees within them. He's a badass dude. And they do a lot of that in this film. Like Taskmaster wields a circular shield and fights like Captain America. And there are moments where Taskmaster fights like Hawkeye and Black Panther. And even at one point, it's really nice. Like when he's fighting Natasha for the first time, Taskmaster mirrors her exactly. Taskmaster is really cool when they show up. Yeah. 
And I really liked Taskmaster when they showed up. And that feeling kind of went away after a point in this movie. Mm-hmm. But at least Taskmaster gives a cool fight scene at the start. Right. I mean, I really wanted to see Taskmaster as the villain of a future Deadpool movie. Because him and Deadpool have a very interesting dynamic. Because he can mimic anyone's fighting style. But Deadpool is so chaotic that getting a read on what his fighting style is, and when he does get a read, he prefers not to because Deadpool so fucking crazy that at a point he's like, you know what, whenever I get into Deadpool's head, I go crazy too. And I really would have liked that dynamic. And it also works because, I mean, Taskmaster and Deadpool are both very morally gray, interesting characters. I would really like Taskmaster to show up in a future Deadpool movie because different continuity. I'm not so thrilled about the MCU version reappearing, like if it happens, fine, but yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know if you saw this, but... Ryan Reynolds released a video on his social media with Deadpool and Korg meeting and talking, and that is officially, canonically, Deadpool's first appearance in the MCU. Okay, I'm going to have to watch that after this. Those two sound like they would be fun together. Yeah, I I really think so. Him and you get Louise from Ant-Man in there, and it's just a great time. The whole plot of this movie revolves around the fact that they're trying to find the villain. And the main villain is Drakov, played by Ray Winston. Yeah, this evil Russian general who was in charge of all the torture and brainwashing that happened to Natasha when she was younger. And even though the KGB does not exist anymore, he still has his army of KGB assassins who are now controlling the government to do something? Yeah, that's not really explained. Yeah, that's kind of the problem with a lot of Marvel stuff. All the, like, famous Marvel characters, or at least most of them, were created during the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have backstories tied to the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And the Soviet Union has been gone for 30 years, so that kind of makes things a bit complicated. Sometimes they can get around it. Like, for instance, Iron Man and Punisher's backstories are both tied to Vietnam. They just change it to Afghanistan in modern day. But, like, it's weird to do a Black Widow movie in 2021. In the comics, by the way, fun fact, because Black Widow's backstory is that her mother died in the Battle of Stalingrad in World War II, which makes sense in 1960, but not in 2020. Black Widow's immortal in the comics. Okay. And she was a KGB agent in the comics originally. Drakov is the villain of this movie. And because the plot revolves around the fact that they're trying to look for him, he's not really present at all until the third act. They try to make up for not having a villainous presence by including Taskmaster every once in a while. But the problem is Taskmaster's really not in it that much. And Taskmaster was badass in that first fight scene, in the first few action scenes. I was like, God damn, this is cool. In every action scene, Taskmaster is great. But also, Taskmaster's mute and wears a mask and doesn't really have a personality behind intimidating, which is a shame when you compare it to the comic version of Taskmaster, who is this snarky, intelligent, pragmatic, morally gray villain, and now we have this mindless assassin version. I will say that was pretty disappointing because I am such a big fan of Taskmaster as a character, and I was really looking forward to it, but they're just pushed to the side 
And it's just a waste of a character. It was really disappointing. I mean, I get why you need Taskmaster. It's sort of like how in The Winter Soldier, the main villain isn't a combat threat. So the climax isn't Captain America fighting Pierce. It's him fighting Winter Soldier. But Winter Soldier is a deeper character than Taskmaster. Right. Absolutely. So cutting back to the action scene on the bridge. What did you think of that action scene? Casey. I thought it was pretty good. It introduces Taskmaster and just has Natasha get beat senselessly up. And like I said, the really cool moment where they both mirror each other. Overall, my thoughts on the action in this movie. I thought it was good, particular the prison break scene. I thought that was one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. I thought the way it was filmed and the action of it, it was all great. The race through Budapest is great. The prison breaks great. I really like just the fighting while falling and fighting over the parachute at the climax. Yeah, I did too. Like, the action is solid. It's solid. Yeah. Not amazing, but pretty good. Right. My problem with that is the editing and the coverage. There was a lot of quick cuts and stuff like that, which is a little disappointing to me because, you know, Black Widow being a martial artist, I feel like making a martial arts film, you shouldn't need so many cuts. I do feel like as the movie went on, it got better, but there were a number of action scenes, particularly towards the beginning, that were just... The editing wasn't great, and the coverage of it just felt very basic, which makes sense seeing as though... The film was directed by Kate Shortland, who had exclusively made dramas, from what I understand. She's not an action filmmaker, necessarily. So anyway, Natasha escapes with the vials and makes her way to Budapest, where she runs into Yelena and... They fight each other. Because they're assassins, that's what they do. That's how they say hello. Yeah. But eventually they stop fighting and they start talking. And we get into what is this film's greatest strength? That all the characters in this are a family and they act like a family. Like Natasha and Yelena just have this sibling bickering throughout this film. And it's funny and it's realistic and it's kind of heartwarming. They just bounce off each other really well. All of the family do. Yeah, yeah. I do think that was a big strength of it. The relationships between the core main characters and fleshing that out and the emotion that comes from it. I think that was one of the stronger elements of this movie. From there, a bunch of the Black Widows that are still brainwashed by the Red Room, they break into the apartment. They have a pretty interesting chase scene that goes from running along rooftops, jumping off, rooftops by breaking in a giant chimney. In that scene, one of the Black Widows commits suicide because Drekov forces her to. And then that action scene goes from a motorcycle chase to a tank chase. Eventually, the Black Widows escape. Mm -hmm. And while they're traveling, Yelena explains all the stuff with the vials and her goal to kill Drakov and break brainwashing on the Black Widows. She also talks about Natasha's backstory. Mm -hmm. How Natasha, as we know from previous films, left the Red Room to join S.H.I.E.L.D. But we also learn that how she defected was by proving her loyalty by murdering Drakov in Budapest. And the way she accomplished that was by turning Drakov's young daughter into a suicide bomber. Holy shit! I knew there was red in her ledger, but I didn't know there was that much red. Yeah, again, this, this movie goes to some dark places. That was pretty intense. Though, 
the way the film set up, it was pretty obvious that Dreykov's daughter was still alive. Just throwing that out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's an obvious twist just because there's a masked person, which means it's someone we've seen without the mask. Well, that means it's either Rick Mason or Antonia. Probably Antonia. Taskmaster is Dreykov's daughter who was put back together after Black Widow blew her up and the brain chip she has to keep her alive gave her Taskmaster powers. And when in the climax she takes her mask off, she's just covered in scars and blind in one eye. She has a microchip in her head and all that. And she was brainwashed to be like a Black Widow super assassin. We'll get into that later when Taskmaster is unmasked, but holy shit. Like, that threw me through a loop when I found out that that had happened. Yeah. Like, god damn, you fucking turned a child into a suicide bomber. And Hawkeye was okay with it. And presumably Fury, too. Like, I knew S.H.I.E.L.D. was morally great, but holy shit, that is tainting my image of you through every other MCU film now. Yeah. God damn. This is the year of developing MCU characters. We got really attached to Wanda and Vision, and... Bucky and Sam, and now Loki, and now we're getting close to Natasha, when we see her, you know, murdering a child. Also, yeah, this is the year of Marvel realizing, wait a minute, supporting characters should have arcs. And this one's arc is making amends for the fucking child suicide bomber. By killing her father. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and she makes amends with Antonia, but god damn. That's all I can say. God damn. So anyway, she escapes with her sister and they bicker and it's fun. It's a joke that shows up three times and it happens first after they get away from Taskmaster of just Yelena making fun of the superhero pose. Like, why do you do that? Do, Do you think people are watching you all the time? And later in the prison break when Natasha does it again, she's like, see, you're doing it again. And then in the climax, Yelena does it and then like, Ugh, like almost vomits because she's so disgusted with herself. It's hilarious. That was pretty funny. They realize that if they're going to get Drakov, they need to go th- get their father from prison because Pim, Alexei, Red Guardian, was Drakov's right-hand man. So they go to break Red Guardian out of prison and, oh my god, what can we say about Red Guardian? He's pretty funny. <laughs> I'll give him that. Played by David Harbour, he's this oafish big guy with a dad bod super soldier he has a pretty humorous scene where he's arguing with one of the other inmates about whether or not he actually fought captain america which canonically speaking he said took place in like the early 80s but captain america was still frozen in ice at that point That said, there was another Captain America not frozen in ice at that time. Granted, he would have been in his 70s by that point, but still. And in jail. Either A, he's lying, or B, and this is what I'm personally headcanoning, I'm headcanoning that this means that Burnside's, the Captain America who was created to fight communists and ended up becoming insane and becoming a neo-Nazi and changed his name to Steve Rogers and got plastic surgery to look like Steve Rogers, I'm headcanoning that he exists in the MCU, and that's who Red Guardian fought. Yeah, I mean, it has been established through Falcon and Winter Soldier that there have been a number of other super soldiers since Captain America. And 
I don't know, maybe he could have fought one of those instead of Steve Rogers. Or maybe he's just full of shit. Yeah, that's what I think. But from there, they break him out of prison in a pretty cool action scene that sets off an avalanche and they use a helicopter that Mason gave them. And that was my favorite action scene throughout the entire movie. Like that was pretty thrilling, very well done. I really like that one. They bring Red Guardian onto the helicopter where they have a pretty funny, but also in hindsight, really awkward joke about how Yelena and Natasha had forced hysterectomies on them as a kid. So, like, one of the most infamous things about Age of Ultron is the I can't have babies because I'm a monster thing. And, ooh, ooh, that scene, just the way that scene is, like, written is really bad. I get what they were going for, that it's horrible what happened to Black Widow in her past, that she had invasive surgery on her as a child to control her life choices. Like, that's really messed up. God, it's framed poorly in Age of Ultron and comes across as the film saying that women who are infertile are monsters. Like, oh boy, that is messed up. In this, it's funny, what sets it off is Red Guardian saying, are you on your period? No, I don't. Because, Dad, you had them do surgery on me to keep me from having children, so I don't get those. Yeah, it was very brutal. I fucking hate you, Dad. It works better in this because it's more framed as this is a horrible thing that happened to them, and also it's a bit of black comedy of them just making Alexia uncomfortable by saying, Hey, remember all the fucked up shit you did to us? Yeah, I mean, I... Do agree with that. I do think that it's framed better in this instance. However, that could have, and I believe should have been, a dramatic plot point in this movie. Like, them sitting around the table talking about that, like, what are you so upset at us for? Why am I so upset? This is what they did to me. Fair enough. I love the MCU. Don't get me wrong. I love the MCU, and I love the humor that is in a lot of these movies. A lot of people get on the MCU's case like, oh, it's just all comedy. Yeah. It is. It is fucking hilarious. Also, serious drama sometimes, including in this film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, these movies are meant to entertain us. This is fucking entertaining. Humor is fun. If you don't like it, don't fucking watch the movie. Stop bitching and moaning about it. That said, what I feel like a lot of, well, a number of instances that have happened in Marvel movies recently is that the humor is at the expense of a dramatic moment. And the most egregious example of that for me is in Thor Ragnarok. Oh, God, yeah. When the entire population of Asgard is watching their home, their ancestral home, being destroyed, and Korg is giving them this hopeful speech of how they can rebuild and there's hope, and then Asgard blows up, and it's these people just watched their homes get destroyed. And then Korg makes a joke like, nah, yeah, you can't rebuild anymore. That could have been such an impactful, dramatic moment. But no, it was, they just cracked a joke to lighten the mood. And that was at the expense of a dramatic moment. And there are instances of that in this film. I don't know, I love the humor, don't get me wrong. But you gotta understand, there's a moment to be funny, and then there's a moment to take it seriously. And I feel like that moment, that that moment of them explaining the torture that they went through, that probably should have been a more dramatic moment, in my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. Red Guardian, who's their adopted father, mind you, Red Guardian tells them that he doesn't know where Drakov is, but their adopted mother, Melina, might. 
And that's where they learn that their mother is, in fact, alive. And they go to meet her to St. Petersburg. Right after they say they don't have enough fuel, they crash. And then they just walk there in a couple minutes. Yeah, and some more great things from Red Guardian. He's like, hey, so does Captain America talk about me? Because I know you're friends with him. And also, just, I like Red Guardian as a character. He's kind of a terrible person. He, like, says to his daughters, I am so proud of both of you. You, Yelena, when you were a little girl, you were the greatest child murderer in all of Russia. I'm so proud. Ugh. They're all terrible people. Right. But anyway, they go to Melina's pig farm. And she explains that Dracov controls the Black Widow through mind control stuff she built for him. And shows it off by mind controlling one of her pigs into not breathing. Yeah. It's kind of horrifying. Yeah, that was an uncomfortable scene. But it's made better by the, well, not made better, but it takes place in a scene where the family's sitting around after Red Guardian puts on his suit again after gaining all this weight and making a joke how how he's really horny for Melina. Oh, God. Just right in front of the kids. Yeah. And they talk about how everything that they went through, what they're planning on doing, how Melina's being acting really sketchy. And it's in this scene that Natasha tells them that their entire lives, their relationships were fake, how it was never real. They're not a family. They just need to get serious about taking on this mission. In response to that, Yelena, who was the younger sister of the two, always felt that that family was real and always had hope that she would go back to them. And because of that, she goes into a room by herself to have a moment to herself and red guardian follows her and they have a pretty decent heart to heart where he makes a joke about his dad peeing on his hands nope don't explain that do not give context to that no he gives a great heart to heart where he talks about how fathers piss on their kids hands yeah i would like to say it's in this scene that scarlett johansson really shone through like her quality of acting really did because black widow is very logistical and very just to the point, you know? And it's through this scene for me that it, how do you portray a lot of emotion through that character? And she does, it really does. Like she has a lot of, most of what she says is very quick, very snappy, a lot of the time, sometimes very sarcastic, but she conveys a lot of emotion despite being limited vocally due to the requirements of portraying this character. And she does a great job as well. And Florence Pugh, again, gives some really great emotion in that scene. From there, Yelena and Alexi have a heart-to-heart where they sing American Pie. And then Melina reveals to Natasha, hey, by the way, I called Dracov. All his minions are showing up to kill you. Sorry! And they show up and... One of them shoots Alexi with a dart, and he's like, huh, it will take more to take out me. And then she gets shot like ten more times with darts and feints. And they all get knocked out, and they get taken to the Red Room base. Wanna know why no one can find it? Because it's fucking flying in the sky! They had that technology in the 90s. Uh Uh-huh. It's fucking airship. Well, actually, yeah, they would have. Like, when would the shield helicarrier have been built? I don't know. Probably around the same time. Before 2012 is all we know. Right. And I will say at this point, though David Harbour does a great job, and I do like Red Guardian, how he was portrayed in this as just kind of a shitty dad. He's a good comic relief character. Yeah. 
But he's a super soldier. And throughout the Captain America films and Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's established that being a super soldier is a big fucking deal. Like, you don't just become a super soldier and, you know, that's it. Like, there's so much power and influence that comes with that and a lot of baggage. But at the same time, in this one, Red Guardian, in terms of from an action perspective, he was being built up as basically the equivalent of Captain America. And it, from an action perspective, I was really disappointed with Red Guardian yeah. as an action. All he really gets is that brief fight he has with Taskmaster in the climax, which it's pretty good, but they cut away yeah. most of it. Like the fight starts and then it just cuts back to it being ended. And it's like all the shots of him, of the two of them fighting in the trailers, that's pretty much all there is. The only action that Red Guardian is really involved in is jumping 15 feet in the air to escape the prison. And, I don't know, he throws the giant cart at the beginning. In terms of action, Red Guardian was a disappointment to me. And Taskmaster was pretty disappointing as well. I mean, I get focus on, like, Natasha, because this is her big send-off, but still, you can give David Harbour a bone. Yeah, and the best part of this movie is the family dynamic, and I get why they want to focus on the both of those, but still, I mean, it's a Marvel film, you gotta have some good action in there. Have him fight alongside his daughters, have, like, a scene where he, like, protects them and, like, smashes some Red Room good heads in. They go to the Red Room headquarters where Natasha is taken to see Drakov, played by Ray Winston. And the rest of the family is taken to, well, no, nah, fucking cut that out, cut that out, well, cut that out. Well, yes, but also, no, Melina goes to talk to Drakov while Natasha is put in a cell next to Red Guardian. But wait a minute, pull off the mask, it's those really OP, perfect disguise masks that showed up also kind of bullshitly in The Winter Soldier. It's not a bullshit do sex machina if you use it again. Screenwriting 101, people. And also, they use it in Falcon Winter Soldier, but it didn't do anything. It's just Sharon walks up and like, hey, check it, I'm wearing one. Now I'm not. Like, what was the point of that? Melina goes to see Drakov, but it's revealed to be Natasha. They cut back to Natasha revealing that she's actually Melina. She breaks out Red Guardian. Meanwhile, Yelena is about to be experimented on and have her head cut open. Which, again, pretty dark, but she manages to escape and stabs one of the doctors in the eye, which seemed like it was edited to be PG-13, not gonna lie. That would have been a rated R moment. But Drakov reveals that Taskmaster is actually his daughter that he's experimented on and turned into this perfect assassin with a microchip in her brain. Big surprise, we all saw that coming. He sends Taskmaster away to fight Red Guardian, and they begin to fight, and then it cuts back to a bunch of stuff with Natasha, and then it cuts back again to Taskmaster just getting kicked into a prison cell, so can't fight back anymore. At least Alexei steals her shield, so now he is a real Captain America clone. Natasha tries killing Drakov, but he reveals that due to all the years of brainwashing, there's a pheromone that prevents her from harming him. And in order to counteract that, she smashes her head onto the desk, severing the nerve that leads to her nasal cavities so that she can kill this guy. He also explains, oh, I control the world and pull the puppets and make them do... Something. Like, he's this, it's this nebulous, the Red Room kind of yeah. sucks. 
as like something that did horrible things to the main characters, it works. But like, what the fuck is even? They don't even have a plan. It's just continue doing vaguely described evil stuff. Yeah, that was again kind of disappointing. But I wanted to ask you, what did you think of Ray Winston in the role of Drakov? I thought it was pretty good. I like Drakov. He's very good at this just vile evil old man who is horribly abusive like in his fight with natasha who can't fight back he just beats the crap out of her as she mocks him i like him i think he works well as just this creepy abuser i do too my only problem with his performance is i couldn't understand what kind of accent he was going for Like, I know he was going for a Russian accent, but I didn't think his Russian accent was very convincing. And the reason why I bring that up is because Ray Winston was in one of my all-time favorite movies. Cats? No, The Departed. But I haven't seen Cats yet, I will. He was in one of my all-time favorite movies, The Departed, which won Martin Scorsese's first Academy Award for directing. Departed's a good film. Yeah, yeah. I love that movie. In that movie, he is easily the worst performance. Because he's British. Ray Winston is British. But he gives like a Boston accent in the movie. But he does a terrible Boston accent. It's like half Boston, half British. And it's just terrible. Apart from that, his performance is pretty good. But he's obviously the weakest link in the movie. The reason why I bring that up is because in this one, he's also doing an accent from a country that he's not from. And it's not convincing either. The guy's just not great at accents. Like, I'm sure he's a great actor. I know he's a great actor, but he's just not good at doing other accents. Sorry. So anyway, Natasha breaks her nose so she can't smell Drakov anymore and is about to kill him when all the Black Widows come in and Natasha fights all of them off and is going to lose, but Yelena comes in and throws in all the vials and they explode so now all the Black Widows are good. Yeah, that was a pretty cool scene, by the way. Meanwhile, Melina just blows up the engines of the ship so the whole building is crashing and they need to evacuate. As they're running, Natasha comes by Taskmaster in a cell and feeling guilty for the really fucked up thing she did to that child. Natasha sets Taskmaster free and Taskmaster immediately goes back to trying to murder her. And as Drakov is trying to escape and the sky tower is falling, Yelena destroys one of the engines and kills Drakov and all the other soldiers on the plane. In doing so, she gets herself knocked off and into a free fall, to which Natasha grabs a parachute and jumps down after her, saving her life. But then when she sees Taskmaster and a bunch of soldiers falling down with him, she just lets go and goes into a free fall, into that action scene that we saw in the trailers. And I like that one. That was pretty inventive pretty cool yeah it's pretty cool i like free fall fights they're really cool just like natasha and taskmaster wanting to kill natasha and at one point they land on like a falling bit of rubble and like stand on it and fight but then they jump off it and they keep falling and fighting and and neither of them hits the ground too hard thankfully they both survive and natasha gasses taskmaster so she isn't evil now And she apologizes, and she forgives her. Red Guardian, Melina, Yelena, and all the other Black Widows show up. Natasha gives Yelena the antidote to the mind control because there are 50 other Black Widows stationed all around the world, ready to kill anyone at Drakov's request. 
and they're gonna reverse engineer the serum and save all of the Black Widows. But Natasha stays behind because Ross is showing up and allows herself to be arrested so her family can get away. But then it, like, cuts to her being free again? Yeah. Somehow? I don't know. Like, I initially thought, oh, because Cap broke everyone out of the raft. But no, she says, okay, I'm going to go break all the other superheroes out now. Like, how'd she get free? I don't know. But Yelena gave her her vest with all those pouches. I mean, come on. Like, that's the biggest. That's yes. like the, that, that ends all plot holes in the MCU, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, in the vest, there was a pouch that had just a get out of jail free card. And she gave it to Ross. And he's like, okay, fine. Also, Mason gets her a Quinjet, which are insanely state-of-the-art. I'm pretty sure they're Tony Stark built. Like, where the fuck did he get that? Like, I mean, this isn't this film's thing. She had it in Infinity War, but where is she getting that plane? From Mason. <laughs> That's all we know. Fair enough. Yeah, that pretty much brings us to the end of Captain America Civil War. And then from there, we have the movie that connects in between Civil War and Infinity War. Then, cut to the after credit scene, Yelena is visiting Natasha's grave. This is after Endgame. And Yelena finally has her pet dog that she always wanted. Yay. And she visits Natasha's grave. And Valentina, played by Julie Louise Dreyfus from Seinfeld fame, and who also played Valentina in Falcon and Winter Soldier, shows up. And this was a rumor that came out years before the movie came out. There were rumors that the post credit scene was going to be Elena being recruited to the Thunderbolts. But what actually happened was Valentina showed up and offered Elena a new job, seeing as though Elena's already a part of the, presumably the Thunderbolts. And she has a new assignment, killing Hawkeye. Yeah, because he's responsible for the death of Natasha. Like, okay, I'm really excited for Hawkeye now. Yeah, that was really unexpected. And I was like, God damn, when is Hawkeye coming out now? I really want to see that. I thought it was just going to be him training Haley Steinfeld in that. But no, apparently they're going to be hunted down by the standout of this movie. And the next Black Widow. Yeah. So the problem with doing a really long film series that's like, what, 24, 25 films yeah. now, is that actors are going to move on. This, like we said, it's a send-off to Black Widow. And honestly, I'm okay with that, because Black Widow's been replaced by her little sister, who is just great in this movie. Like Deadpool said in Deadpool 2, they gotta be young enough to carry this franchise for the next 10 to 12 years. Yeah, so that's the movie. What'd you think, Casey? You know, it was a good, good film. I enjoyed it. It was standard MCU quality. It's not the heights of the series, but it is comparable quality to the average MCU standalone film. And I enjoyed it, you know? The action was good. The acting was great. Like I said, the best part of this film is just the chemistry between the main actors as just this dysfunctional family of assassins. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. I think, like you said, I think this is about mid-level Marvel for me. Kind of the upper echelon of mid-level Marvel for me. The action, though, there's a bit less of it in this film compared to other Marvel films. Then again, we're comparing that to Infinity War, which is basically one or two huge action scenes. But the action scenes vary in quality for me. Some are just, eh. Others are pretty impressive and I really got a thrill out of. Like I said, it's a very dialogue-heavy movie with 
some really good character development and some really good character relationships. All the actors are pretty good. All the actors range from good to great, which is obviously good. My biggest problem with it, though, I was disappointed by Taskmaster and by Red Guardian. I like Red Guardian. He's a great comic relief bumbling father. He's just, God, give him one action scene, people. Maybe in Black Widow too. Yeah, from that perspective, I was disappointed. But I think my biggest problem is the fact that this movie should have come out when it takes place, chronologically. This should have been made between Civil War and Infinity War. Because that way, the tension would have been so much greater, and it would have made more sense for us to care about this character who is ultimately going to commit the ultimate sacrifice and kill herself in order to save the universe. Maybe have her family be snapped too. You know, actually, this makes... Funny is not the word. It makes a line of dialogue from Endgame a bit interesting now. Like, when they're mourning Natasha's death, like, I think it's Cap asks, did she have a family? And none of them know? Yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, even if this came out, I don't think she would talk about them. She's a very secretive person. I think Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson were fantastic. David Harbour and Rachel Weisz were very good. Ray Winston played a good villain. I just think that... Really, at this point in the MCU, I'm not 100% convinced that this story needed to be told. For that reason, just comes across at times as filler. And it's really disappointing that a character who I was really anticipating to see getting her own standalone movie, it's really disappointing that that's just what it is. It's just filler, you know? Backtracking. Let's say it again, just one last time. Fuck Mother. I'm really glad Kevin Feige's in charge now. Like, the guy in charge of everything. And I'm glad that we're getting a more diverse MCU in the future. We have an African-American what, Captain wait, America. Wait, what, what do you mean? Do you mean we're getting more pandering by not just having white men be the main characters? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Goddamn pandering. Stupid MCU's taking over my superhero movies. I don't know, I'm glad that we finally got a Black Widow movie. Better late than never, but... Should have been a lot earlier. I don't know. Like I said, very dialogue heavy, not a whole lot of action. The movie plays to its strengths, but it does have a number of weaknesses. And for that reason, it's about mid-level Marvel for me, which is still very good. Yes. And how good in a numeric value is that? I'm probably going to give it a 7 out of 10. It's a very enjoyable watch. I heard a lot of people telling me that it was boring. I didn't think it was boring, but again, it has a lot of flaws as all MCU films do. 7 out of 10 is my grade. You said mid-level Marvel, and this is mid-level Marvel. I would honestly say of the three MCU movies we've watched that this is my favorite. Which, I mean, that's only up against Iron Man and Thor. It's far from my favorite MCU movie if it's like all 24 or whatever. But I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this a lot. 8.5. It's good. It's just not spectacular. While we're on the topic of talking about superheroes and bad ideas let's talk about what we're doing next week it's a discussion episode and you know in the past we've talked about lame superheroes we've talked about weird superheroes we're gonna talk about the worst ones yep this is gonna be another top five worst characters list and i'm really looking forward to it i got some bafflingly offensive characters on my list already 
Sometimes I wonder what is wrong with comic editors. I mean, the current Marvel editor-in-chief pretended to be a Japanese writer for years to get, like, clout. Like you do. He's not responsible for any of those. I just, I found that out the other day. And that's a thing that I will not ever stop thinking about because what the fuck? This is your new editor-in-chief? Whatever. But yeah, seriously, there's some bad, bad, bad characters that they have made over the years. Ugh. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned next week. It's bad enough that the horse that wants to fuck a human woman is only my number five. (laughs) It's all downhill from there. Riley, where can they find more on this show? You can all find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Silver Age Silver Screen, where we post a bunch of content on there. We post full episodes on YouTube. You can all find me at Riley Thorpe on YouTube, where you can check out all of my award-winning short films. And you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Riley James Thorpe. Casey, what about you? You can find me on Twitter at JarmsCasey, J-A-R-M-E-S-C-A-S-E-Y. I post everything I do there, which is a lot of things, because I'm an idiot with, with too many projects that take up all my free time. Although I do have free time now, because I'm finally done with... The fucking video essays. Oh yeah, let's make three half an hour long video essays in three weeks. That's not going to be a lot of work at all. Uh. (laughs) Check those out, by the way. They're on my YouTube channel, which is just Casey Jarms. The Politics of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's a three-part essay series on superhero symbols and extremism. Part one, The Life and Times of Steve Rogers. Part two... The Power of Propaganda and Part 3, A Symbol Redefined, are all out now. I think it's very good. I think it's better written than my last video essay. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's talking about MCU stuff. You just watch this because you like MCU stuff, so go watch that. Yeah, give it a watch. Anyway, we'll be back next week, assuming we don't get turned into a child suicide bomber. As always, I'm Casey Jarms. And I'm Riley Thorpe. And hey, it's just a movie. Don't lose your head about it, especially not to a ladder.